This episode of Kidlit These Days is brought to you by the Read Harder Journal. Created by Book Riot, the smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read. And it is a great gift for readers this holiday season. There's no other reading tracker that champions the activist approach to reading in quite this way. It includes 12 original challenges inspired by Read Harder with five book recommendations for each challenge. And each challenge includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations, as I said, that fulfill that challenge. Also, it includes a graph to track reading over the course of a year and a fill-in to-be-read pile. There's a flexi-bound journal with two-color illustrations throughout. It's got an elastic closure and ribbon marker to hold your page. Listen, I love my Read Harder journal. I have filled it up in 2019, and I think that you and yours are going to love this in 2020 as well. So get one for yourself or for the readers in your life at bookriot.com slash journal. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Kidlet These Days, a Book Riot podcast. Kidlet These Days is your Kidlet connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Karina Yan Glazer, alongside Matthew Winner, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on December 5th, 2019. Well, Matthew, it is episode 19. We've been doing this for quite a few months now, and this is our last episode of 2019, so... That's right! Episode 19, last of 2019. Yes. Episode 20 rings in 2020. This is going to be great. Yeah! I didn't even think about that. That's pretty awesome. I think we've had a really me? fun year. We've done a <laughs> lot know, of right? great episodes. Did you have I a favorite so... episode that we've done? Oh! Okay, yeah. I, well, I was going to say, first, I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to explore so many different topics with you and get to know you as a reader as well because of these book recommendations. I, I think, goodness, of of all the episodes we've done, and as much as I love our <laughs> book box gift-giving thing we did last time... That was really fun. I, it was fun. I think I really loved most when we talked to Dr. Debbie Reese and Dr. Uh, Jean Mendoza about um, the people's history, uh, the indigenous people's history of the United States for young people. That was, that was a really, really cool conversation. I like that one. That was. And I've been really excited to see all the books coming out, uh, children's books coming out by indigenous writers and illustrators. It's been a really great year. And Did you see the announcement of the indigenous imprint? I that did. Cynthia Lennox Smith is going yes, to head up, which I'm Yay! very excited about. We <laughs> should do an episode about that pretty soon. That would be really no awesome. Doubt. Yes. So I think the episode that I was really excited about was our first one because that was the one that sort of started us off on this journey of talking about current events and relating them to 
children's literature, and I thought that those creators that we had brought on, um, including Meg Medina, who, you know, right after we interviewed her, she won the Newbery Medal for her terrific middle grade book, Mercy Suarez Changes Gears. And I, I just thought that their words are so powerful, and I still think about them now. So, anyways, I, I loved all the episodes we've done. We've been really lucky with so many incredible guests and, and so many great books to talk about. So You know what listeners should do, Karina? Listeners, you should, you should tweet us. Just tweet to Karina or to me. Find us on Twitter or use hashtag KidLit These Days and tell us what your favorite episode is. You can email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com too and and let us know what you've been liking or what you want to hear because we do listen and uh karina you and i have been chatting about what we want to do in 2020 and i i know we've been inspired by a lot of the feedback we've received from listeners so i look forward to whatever is ahead in 2020 yes so before we talk about the topic that um we're excited about for today i just wanted to bring Um, You are our next sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Simon & Schuster Children's Publishing. Celebrate friendship with this lyrical picture book that beautifully illustrates John Lennon and Paul McCartney's world-renowned words from With a Little Help from My Friends. In this gorgeously illustrated picture book, the universally loved words to With a Little Help from My Friends come vividly to life, showing that sometimes all you need is a little help from your friends. I have not yet seen this book, but I am very (laughs) excited about it. I can't stop singing it in my head right now. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Right away, it popped right in there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty interesting (laughs) when children's books take on a a particular song. I've, I've done... A post about this at Book Riot on the newsletter, and I'm excited about this one. So, well, today we're excited to talk about the Youth Media Awards, which is um, very. I mean, if you're in children's publishing, or you're an author, or you're a librarian, the Youth Media Awards is something that everyone gets really excited about, and I think it's hilarious that every year the Youth Media Awards. They get announced. So the Youth Media Awards, if you're not familiar, it's through the American Library Association. And they're the ones that um, decide on which books get the Newbery Medal, the Caldecott Medal, and a whole bunch of other different awards. So what I think is very funny about this is that it happens like very early in the morning, like over a breakfast. And... It's just so early in the morning. <laughs> and well, I think we it's could. just so interesting I, that it's not at night or something. But I want to point out, though, Karina, that it's it's early enough that I can watch it with my students. I know, which is so and great. many, many of us watch it with our students. Yeah. Yes. So just to back up a little bit, I wanted to read a passage from the American Library Association just explaining what the Youth Media Awards are, and then we'll launch into what we're going to do with that topic today. So according to the ALA, 
Each year, the American Library Association honors books, videos, and other outstanding materials for children and teens. Recognized worldwide for the high quality they represent, the ALA Youth Media Awards, including the prestigious Newberry, Caldecott, Prince, and Coretta Scott King Book Awards, guide parents, educators, librarians, and others in selecting the best materials for youth. Selected by committees composed of librarians and other literature and media experts, the awards encourage original and creative work in the field of children's and youth adult literature and media. The 2020 Youth Media Award announcements will take place on Monday, January 27, 2020 at 8 a.m. Eastern Time from the Pennsylvania Convention Center in Philadelphia. So, Matthew, I know that you have been doing so much work in the school libraries that you've worked at about the Youth Media Awards and mm-hmm. um, helping your kids look at the different standards that the ALA uses to look at the various books published in each year. And I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience doing mock Youth Media Awards in your school library. I can. We've done... This is... My fifth school I've worked in over my career in education and my fourth school library. And um, this is actually the third year in a row that I will be doing a mock Credit Scott King award with my students. Um, and prior to that, I had done a mock Caldecott. Um, the reason why I moved to doing a mock Credit Scott King is because I felt like it was a lesser known award for my students, but one that I, I I thought contained so many books that needed to be centered in our library. I teach many African-American students um, at my previous schools. And in the school where I am now, the, um, the population is 35% uh, children of color. So it's not um, as as um, minority majority as it was in my previous schools. Um, but I think that makes it even more important to center marginalized voices and um, these other awards. And of course, the CSK is a really good one to focus on. Mm-hmm. The way that I do a mock award, which may be similar to others, is that um, I select, I nominate personally, a number of books that I think will be eligible for the award. When it was the Caldecott focus, I was looking at um, books published in that year um, that were published um, in America Mm -hmm. and uh, of really high quality illustration that was telling the story. For CSK, we focus on picture books so that I can read aloud the books to my students. And um, I do it book bracket style, kind of like March Madness. Mm -hmm. I have all of these books that I pair up because these two are biographies or these two are, are written with more of a younger audience in mind or these two, the, the content is um, pretty heavy uh, and is centering on social justice or civil rights or something like that. And so they pair well together. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I, I read two books per library class to my students and just ask, given this criteria, which one do you think better fits the criteria? I want to point out, though, because this is the CSK, um, the the Credit Scott King Award is given in honor of of um, the late Credit Scott King, um, but it's given to an African-American author and or illustrator um, recognizing exceptional books that 
that highlight or illuminate the, the lives and experiences of African Americans. That is not something as a white person that I am fully qualified to determine. I can certainly say if I think a book is beautiful, if I think it flows well, if I think the art is doing something exceptional, but I am not qualified, uh, given my experience, in my opinion, to say what is an exceptional depiction of an African-American experience or not. And that's something I communicate with my students as well, um, which means that there are um, some students that that are uh, in a position of, of power in that way in my classroom that you do come from um, this background. Uh, you do come from seeing these books as a mirror to you. And so this is going to mean something uh, different from you than it does for me. And mm-hmm. that, that I think, you know, any opportunity I have to empower and center children in different ways like that is something I lean into. Mm-hmm. So Karina, right now, right now, I've been talking about the YMAs with mm-hmm. my students. I want to point out that they almost always happen right around my birthday. Uh. My birthday is January 24th, and it's really fun for a librarian to have a birthday where they have a bookish celebration yes. going on right around there. Um, we didn't mention that the... That's right. <laughs> the awards are given at ALA Midwinter. Mm-hmm. The American Library Association has two conferences. It has its big national conference in the summer and a midwinter conference in the in the middle of winter, January typically, or beginning of February. Um, and that's where um, the awards are named. In the summer conference, it's where the award winners give their speeches. So we are doing this work now. I have my nominees that I have selected for our Credit Scott King Award. I have bracketed the books and done little book talks with all of my students, uh, K through four, and we're going to start reading those books and they will decide what books um, we narrow down through. But something a little different that I started, um, well, and this is, I should say, also a new school for me. So everything is new for these students with me, Uh, but I've been pointing back to what I did at my previous school at Swansfield, and we can link to the blog post I did with Coretta Scott King uh, a mock award so that you listeners can see what it looks like for me to do CSK with my students. But something different we tried last year that we're going to do again this year is that after we have our winner and our honor books and just all of our nominees, my students will take over my Twitter account. Um, Rather, they will compose tweets. We'll talk about what it means to compose a tweet and how we can use that platform to leverage our voices um, to communicate to authors and illustrators. Uh, They are not old enough to have their own social media account, and it is really great for them to be able to use my account so that we can do that together, so I can mentor them in that way. They will compose their tweets over a Google Doc, over a Google Form, and when it goes up on Twitter, I will not only quote them, I will use exactly their words in the tweet, but then we use a hashtag Hashtag from a third grader, from a fourth grader, um, to indicate student voice. Hmm. I'm giving them attribution. Um, They will note and I will note that I will never use their face, their name in photos or tweets, but they will know their words. Mm -hmm. And that really magical thing that happens that happened last year is that those some of those authors will write back to Mm -hmm. those students. And last year we had authors 
like Tony Medina, who wrote um, 13 Ways of Looking at a Black Boy. Um, Cherie uh, Miller, who wrote Don't Touch My Hair. Wade and Cheryl Hudson, who edited We Rise, We Resist, We Raise Our Voices. All of these individuals were writing back to my students. My students were saying things like, your book included... Um, stu- or children who were Puerto Rican, and it was the first. And I'm Puerto Rican, and it was the first time I ever read a book where the characters were Puerto Rican. Hmm, that's so special. Expressing their value out to the world, but then their voices were empowered as those authors and illustrators affirmed their words and and wrote back to them. And I want to emphasize to those listening that we're not doing this to get responses back. It's more for me to demonstrate to these children, your voice has power and your opinion has power. And we're going to put it on this platform so that it can exist alongside everyone else's opinions. The fact that other people write back, uh, I think is just one of those things that we don't count on, but is sometimes happening and it's magical when it does. But um, the fact that, that I think they're in a position with me that I am empowering their voice is what I want to emphasize because the teachers that are listening, you also can do that same thing. Find a way, uh, if you go through doing a mock award to, to empower your students and their voices in this award, maybe they design the medal that you're going to stick on the books. Maybe they name the award. Maybe they also have a chance to write to or email or tweet these authors and illustrators. We use Twitter because everyone's on Twitter. It's a really, really easy way to message out to people. Um, and it also then is a way to show other authors and illustrators and librarians and teachers and students that that we are sharing our voice and we value other people sharing too. We use the hashtag MockCSK um, so that if other people are doing mock Credit Scott King Awards, we can see what they're doing as well. And that makes a connection. So as you can imagine, this is a, a really exciting time for me because... It's it's a time of connection and of celebration and of seeing what power books have in the lives of children and um, in 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 our in our libraries and in our in our worlds. It's a really good time. That's amazing. And I do I have to say that as a writer, I love being tagged on Twitter because there's a lot of things that I don't see. Um like, I don't know who's reading my book, and it's always surprising and wonderful when someone tags me on Twitter with something related to my book or, you know, just so I know. And and I always write back. I love it. I think it's so great. So I would like to introduce our guest. Um, his name is Colby Sharp. He's a fifth grade teacher in Parma, Michigan. He is the editor of The Creativity Project, an awesome tastic story collection published by Little Brown as well. And he's also the co-author with Donalyn Miller of Game Changer, book access for all kids published by Scholastic. Together with Donalyn Miller, Colby started the Nerdy Book Club blog and he co-hosts the Yarn Podcast with teacher librarian Travis Yonker. Please welcome Colby Sharp. Okay, I'm so glad to have Colby Sharp here today. So Colby, I was really excited to talk to you because I know that you do mock YMA awards in your class, and I've seen some videos that are very cool where um, 
I see your readers making predictions and getting really excited about books. And then um, I've also seen videos where um, your students are watching live the live stream of the YMAs and getting their reactions to the winners. And I think that's really awesome. So I would love to talk to you a little bit about that. But first, can you tell us how long you have been doing mock Caldecott's in your classroom and whether the process has evolved over the time that you've done them? Sure. Uh, I started doing a mock Caldecott probably 2012. Yeah, 2000, the 2012 Caldecott Medal. Okay. So books from 2011. Mm -hmm. So I guess that, that would be like around seven or eight years. Okay. It probably changes a little bit every year. Sometimes we have more time to spend on it. Sometimes we have less time. Sometimes we get involved with other students doing it. Sometimes not. Sometimes it's just this big, huge process with writing pieces and debates. And sometimes it's uh, more of a laid back and just introducing them the books and kind of picking a book that we think is going to win. So kind of depending on where we're at. Uh, I've taught three different grades during those eight years. So it's kind of changed depending on the kids that I've been teaching as well. Mm -hmm. Are you doing a mock Caldecott this year with your fifth graders? I think so. Uh, we, in the past, I've always done it in November. Mm -hmm. Like when I started, I always did it in November. And then it was kind of a long wait until the announcement. Mm -hmm. And we would have Thanksgiving break and winter break right. and snow days. So I think this year will kind of be a fun way to come back from winter break. So starting the first week in January, mm -hmm. the second week in January when we come back. Mm -hmm. Have you found that doing this works better with certain grades over others? Nope. I think all kids love picture books. Mm -hmm. So I think just giving them time to do it and making it fun, making sure it's not a chore. Right. That's the key. Yeah. Um, can you tell us how you choose which books to focus on? Like, do you select the books that you have heard buzz about, or do your readers come across them and select them? Or, like, how does that process work? Yeah. So I select uh, John Shu and I select a list of 20 books every year. And every mm -hmm. year on November 1st, we release our list on his blog, mrshoereads.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And that's the list that I use. And it's just John and I reading as many books as we can and following discussions about books and kind of seeing where the call to cat buzz is. And then we work together to make a list. We usually each start out with, I don't know, between six and eight books. And then we just kind of fill in the final books together. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, my kids like, my students, for them, all so many of the books are new, and I don't really want feel like they need to focus in on what books came out in this year and what right. book is eligible for that. So, uh, a lot of their favorites do make the list, but you know, when they're new to me, so many of the books that we share in class are new to them. So, mm -hmm. that's the one time of the year where we really focus in on which books are new for that for that calendar year. Mm -hmm. So. Maybe let's use this current year as an example. Do you, or maybe let's use last year as an example, since you already went through that cycle. About how much classroom time do you think you devoted to doing a mock Caldecott? Probably three-ish weeks. Okay. And it takes over our writing time. Mm -hmm. 
So I, a lot of times they'll do some of the reading during their independent reading time, but it, I, I have found, I mean, I'm as a classroom teacher, it's not really, I have to figure out where it fits into my curriculum. I can't just take a month to just do whatever I want. Right. So I pair it with our uh, persuasive essay pieces, like mm-hmm. our persuasive essay unit, either as an introduction to our, pers- our persuasive writing or an extension from what we've already been learning. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, so many of our standards fit into, you know, having an argument and supporting it with evidence. And so it really works really well with that. Yeah. And it it's a, I guess a real way to have arguments because the kids actually have some, some skin in the game. Like they really want <laughs> yes. their books to win and, yes. and they kind of form allegiances and <laughs> fight for that. the books that they love. Yes. That's really great. And have your students ever, okay. So if your students are really advocating for a certain book and then you've watched the the youth media awards live on live stream have they ever predicted that a book would win either the medal or an honor that actually did win a medal or an honor so i'd say almost every year at least one book that they loved is honored mm-hmm. uh the year that sophie blackall won for finding winnie was the book that our kids picked as the winner uh-huh so that was really special uh, because they were shocked and excited <laughs> and because I had, you know, prepared them, you know, they, the, you guys read 20 books. The committee is in charge of reading hundreds. You know, responsible for hundreds, if not a thousand books. So uh-huh. it's going to be different. And they're 15 or 16 people and we're 28 kids. So, you know, it, it's okay if we don't have the same book and it doesn't mean that the book that books that you picked are wonderful. <laughs> so I front load them like and try to, trying to yeah. manage expectations. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then it won and then they were like, see Mr. Sharp. Right. <laughs> I love that. That's so cute. That was fun. Um, so I know that you and John Shu, who we've had on the show before, he came onto our show when we did a whole episode on school libraries. So I know you collaborate a lot. And I know that John has been on the Caldecott committee before. And I know that there are certain standards, right, for the Caldecott. Um, so do you read through those standards with your students? Like, how do they, how do they analyze the books, like, based on the standards? Yeah, so we look at the actual qualifications okay. for the medal, mm-hmm. but we really just try to focus it on which books do you feel are best illustrated. We don't try to get too deep into the nitty gritty mm-hmm. because I feel that that's just going to take away from the experience of a 10 year old right. doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do try to, we go over it. It's, it can be it's pretty dense. Pat- Packet. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not even sure I understand the criteria <laughs> right. completely. Yes. Especially with, you know, how things have been kind of stretched in the last few years between, you know, Hugo winning a Caldecott medal, right. such a text heavy, you know, 600 page book to graphic novels being honored for Newberry yeah. and all of that stuff. So I think that, you know, it's each committee's interpretation. So I guess we have our own. 10-year-old interpretation. Right. And, okay, so you've been doing these mock Caldecott since 2012. What have you seen that readers have gotten out of doing these projects year after year? Well, I think that it 
allows them to feel a part of something special. Mm-hmm. Like they understand that books not only matter to them, but they also matter to the world. Mm-hmm. And they get a chance to see just how people celebrating books. You know, we watch the awards live whenever possible mm-hmm. and they get a chance to see a room of, I don't know, hundreds, if not a thousand or so librarians and book lovers celebrating and, and they're celebrating and they put so much work into it. And, you know, our, we celebrate sports teams well, when they win trophies and we celebrate athletes when they win medals and mm-hmm. movies and music and all of those other things that they're passionate about. I mean, mm-hmm. they have video game tournaments, like high schools and colleges now have video game teams that kids, you know, follow these video game teams. And, you know, we want them hopefully to be as passionate about books as, as they are for other things. Yeah. So as a side note, I know that you've been hosting nerd camp in Michigan in Parma, your hometown. And I've been to the last two and it's been really amazing because I know that you do those nerd camp juniors. So nerd camp, the, um, the one for teachers and librarians, which, um, combine, um, sort of workshops and presentations and it's just a whole celebration of reading and there's so many excited people that go and then also authors are there, um, you know, working with teachers and sharing um, pieces of information back and forth. And then you have Nerd Camp Junior, which um, has been really fun and I've really enjoyed it. And it's been really awesome to see um, just so much excitement for reading, Colby. And I know that you've done so much to make that happen. So thank you for... Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's fun. pretty amazing. Okay, so I have one last question for you. And that is, can you share a couple of memorable moments from doing the Mock Caldecott with your readers over the years? Sure. Uh, for me, the most, I mean, there's two and I talk about them all the time, but the one is when Sophie Black all won mm-hmm. and our class had voted for that one. And like the week before I shared a video online with them celebrating. And then after it won, Sophie shared that she had watched that video. Um, she actually made a video for the American Library Association talking about my kids and it was just really special. And then she sent all of my kids handwritten letters. So that was just an amazing, just an amazing thing that we had. It just, it was like a course of, it just kept going mm-hmm. like something new. Their video came out two months later and then the letters came like two months later. And it was just, that was really special. Uh, and then a few years ago when a book didn't win, um, my one of my students fell in love with Deborah Friedman Shy, mm. and it was maybe the first book that he had ever loved. He had had a lot of negative reading experiences in his life, and he fell madly in love with that book. And he convinced his class that that was the book, uh-huh. and it didn't win, uh-huh. and he was pretty devastated. And uh, I had kind of shared his journey with that online. And, Deborah Friedman reached out and she Skyped with us and just to see him go up and talk to Deborah, stand at the computer. And he shared with her one of the spreads that he loved so much. Mm-hmm. And she actually sent us one of her paintings of that spread. And I'm actually looking at it in my classroom right now. And, you know, just that memory was amazing. And then the next year he was convinced that I didn't have him in fourth grade he was convinced that her book, This House Once, was going to win. <laughs> and I actually saw him in the hall that day. And uh-huh. 
and he was walking back to class and he goes, Mr. Sharp, did Deborah Friedman win? And I'm like, no, she didn't. And that doesn't mean the book's not great. And he shook his head and he goes, you know what, <laughs> you know what Mr. Sharp, when I, be, when I grow up, I'm going to be on the Caldecott committee and I'm going to make sure they get it right. <laughs> and I then that. I had, and then I switched grades and I actually had him again in fifth grade. Uh-huh. And it was, he had just grown so much since I met him in third. He had started, uh-huh. he started a book club in fifth grade. He just did some really awesome things, read some great books, came a long ways. And last summer at nerd camp, he got a chance to, to meet Deborah Friedman. And they just shared a, a very beautiful, tearful hug and moment. And she had brought him a copy of Shy. And oh, that's his, so sweet. His mom was there and his mom was crying. And oh. it was, it's just amazing what can happen when you give kids a little bit of time to, to read picture books and talk about them and celebrate them. Yeah, I love that story. And there was one, there was a video that you had showed at one of your presentations where I think your class was mixed about who should win the Caldecott, but there is one announcement and in the video, <laughs> this one girl was so disappointed. She sort of looked at you and she just looked devastated that her, you know, the book that she had fallen in love with over the past couple of months hadn't won. And it's just really fun to see kids who are getting so excited and invested in these books. And it's really special for authors and illustrators as well to know that their books have become special to someone. And that I think is worth more than the medal is just knowing that kids are connecting and it's impacting them. So great. Well, Colby, thanks so much for all you do. And I really appreciate you hopping on the podcast with me. And um yeah, thanks for, for everything, and I just love all the ways you engage your students and keep up the great work. Thank you. That means a lot. Well, we're back, and Karina and I thought that the best way to uh, kick off this coming season of awards was not to play favorites and name who our favorites are, although, Karina, I'm totally going to tell you that off recording. Um, I am certainly rooting for uh, a good number of people out there. But why don't we highlight some previous winners of these YMAs, and maybe we can also highlight what award um, these individuals won for, these books won for. That way we can share some love for, uh, I think it's the 20-plus awards that are categorized under the Youth Media Awards. Yes. Okay. So one book I just love that was published um, in 2018, but it won in 2019, um, in the category of Asian Pacific American Award for Literature, it was the picture book winner, and it's called Drawn Together. It's written by Min Lee, illustrated by Dan Santat, and it's just a beautiful book. I was so excited when I saw this pop up on the screen when I was watching the YMAs earlier this year, and it was one of my favorite picture books that were that was published in 2018. It's a story about cross-cultural and multi-generational communication. A young boy um, and his mom are visiting 
uh, this boy's grandfather. And the mom leaves the child there, and he's just having a really hard time communicating with his grandfather. And they find a common connection through drawing, and the words and the illustrations just flow perfectly together. I think it's a stunning book, and I think it should be in every library. It's stunning. Right. Yeah. And it's, I think, some... Uh, a style that we haven't seen Dan Santat do before. Yes. Uh, he is a Caldecott winner, um, and he does something completely different on John Together that, that I was really impressed with. Beautiful yes. book. Yes. Uh, so I wanted to make note up front that we have actually, <laughs> over these 19 episodes, hosted a number of recent winners of different youth media awards. Um, you mentioned at the top of the recording uh, Meg Medina from episode yes. one, Mercy mm-hmm. Suarez Changes Gears. I mentioned Dr. Debbie Reese. In 2019, she gave the Mayhill Arbonaut um, Honor Lecture Award. Uh, she was the award winner of the the honor lecture uh, the the may hill Arbuth, arbuthnot lecture recognizes an author or critic or librarian or historian or teacher of children's literature um and that person then presents a lecture at a winning host site we can link to um dr reese's speech uh which which the the text was published and i believe we also can find the video of that that I can share. This year, um, Neil Gaiman um, will give the speech, and, and who knows who will win for 2020, but mm-hmm. uh, Neil Gaiman is the, is, was the recipient this year. Um, we also had Kaysen Callender on, and yes. Kaysen won the Stonewall Award for Hurricane Child. Yes. Uh, so, so many, many, many outstanding awards um, out there. The Stonewall Award um, is a book centering the LGBTQ experience. I should uh, clarify that for those that aren't familiar with the award. But um, these are awards that you can go back and read past winners, and I think you'll 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 find not only really wonderful literature, but really great books to put in the hands of children. Right. Another award that I would like to highlight is the Pira. Belpre Award, which Matthew and I have talked about a lot on this podcast, and there was a book that we really loved that was all about Pira Belpre. It was a picture book that has been getting a lot of buzz this year, and um, that award, so there's a um, book that won for 2019 called Dreamers by Juji Morales, which Again, we've talked about a lot, and she so won the 2019 Pura Belpre Illustrator Award, and it is just a gorgeous book, and um, I just love looking at every single page and looking at all the special effects that she used. Um, she does embroidery, she does collage, she has pictures of memories that she's had throughout her life. And it's just a gorgeous book. And if you want to learn more about Pira Belpre, the picture book is called Planting Stories. And it's really lovely. It's a beautiful book. I want to highlight the Caldecott for a moment. There's a wonderful picture book that received the Caldecott honor last year. And it's called Alma and How She Got Her Name. It was written and illustrated by Juana Martinez Neal. It's published by Candlewick. It's a story about 
the importance of names. Alma has this really long name, and throughout the story, she learns that she's named for her grandfather and her great-great-grandmother and this person and that person who have all done these beautiful instrumental things that are affirmed in Alma, bravery and kindness and, and um, being welcoming and, and caring. Uh, it's just such a stunning picture book and um, one that beautifully works for very, very young readers or also like adults and high school readers. And there just aren't picture books that, that, that always work for such a wide age range. And, and this one... Uh, it's it was simultaneously published in English and in Spanish, and uh, it, it's one that if you haven't read yet, um, I would say when you first read it, study the colors, and what the different colors um, serve as through lines in the story. I'll just leave mm. it there. Yes. Okay. So another book that I really loved won the 2017 Coretta Scott King Illustrator Honor, as well as the Newbery Honor in 2017. It's called Freedom Over Me, 11 Slaves, Their Lives and Dreams Brought to Life by Ashley Bryan. Um, and it is just so visually gorgeous. Ashley Bryan is an author and illustrator that lives in Maine on this little island um, pretty close to Acadia National Park. And... It's there where he does all these beautiful painting, paintings, collage. He does um, stained glass work. And in this book, um, he had come across some documents about um, buying and selling of slaves. And there was this one document that had descriptions of slaves being sold when a whole estate was being sold. So alongside... Um, pigs and livestock and various other things that came with this estate there was also a listing of many slaves and um ashley ends up naming the slaves giving them names and creating a story for each of them which sort of brings them to life and instead of us glossing over the fact that you know this this transaction um, had people in it. He really names their story and their dreams, and it's a gorgeous book. And I think everyone should really read that and just pour over the beautiful language in the illustrations. Karina, have you read Infinite Hope? I yet? have. Yeah. Wow, it's his autobiography. It's it's. We'll link to it in the show notes. Just to say that Ashley Bryan is is a living legend yes. in children's literature. Mm -hmm. And um, this story um, chronicles his time uh, serving in the war and his his road to illustration. And to see that this man has been centered around story and children his entire life mm -hmm. is, is so beautiful. Anyway, um, my... <laughs> so good. Whew. The book I would like to highlight next is The Remember Balloons which was written by Jesse Oliveros and illustrated by Dana uh, wolf And it's published by Simon & Schuster. And this book won the Schneider Family Book Award. And that's an award for books that embody an artistic expression of the disability experience. In this book, a child 
and a grandfather are remembering together. The grandfather has Alzheimer's and these balloons um, are, are, are lost along the way. These memories are lost along the way. And it's a story about how we can hold on to memories or what it means to hold on to memories. And um, it's making me tear up right now trying to talk about it. So you should read this book. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a beautiful book. Okay, so yeah. my last pick is The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill. It won the 2017 Newbery. And this book is very magical. I remember looking at the book and knowing, you know, like when you just get this feeling that you're going to love a book and so you save it for the right moment. Well, that was <laughs> what I did with this. I had the hardcover and I knew just by, I don't know, I just had a sense I was going to love it. And my husband and I, we dropped off our kids for, I think, a day or two at his mom and stepdad's place. And we drove about 45 minutes away to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and stayed in an Airbnb. And it was snowing, and so we spent a lot of time just inside. And I just remember spending almost all day in bed reading this book and just savoring every word. And it was just such a, it just like imprinted in my mind that that feeling of being really cozy and reading this gorgeous book and really feeling like it was the right book at the right time. So it's a really beautiful book. If your readers love fantasy and haven't read this book yet, I think they would definitely love it. Yeah, the Newberry has been spot on for the past couple of years, yes, hasn't it? Yes, it has. We have, we have been really getting amazing books from there. Uh, the last book I want to highlight uh, is called Jerome by Heart. It's a picture book written by Thomas Scotto, illustrated by Olivier Tellick, and it's translated from the French by Claudia Zoe Bedrick and Karen Nelson. Um, this book won the Mildred L. Bockelder Award, which is an award for an outstanding children's book originally published in a language other than English, in a country other than the United States, and subsequently translated into English for publication in the U.S. So this is one of, I think, the only youth media awards that takes books from other countries and brings them uh, and, and recognizes them in the U.S., mm -hmm. being that they were translated and for the first time published in the U.S. Jerome by Heart is about a young boy um, who loves his friend Jerome uh, with all of his heart, and he swears that he will live and do anything just for Jerome, that he will defy anyone that tells him to do anything differently uh, because his heart is for Jerome, and he loves the way that Jerome makes his heart feel. It's a beautiful, beautiful book that um, I think could speak to different children in different ways. It really spoke to me um, in that way of being young and exploring um, what it means to have feelings for someone else, and in this case what it means to have some feelings for someone else that's the same gender. Um, it, talks, it, it speaks on how pure children are able to love others just so purely and um and it's a beautiful book and it's one that i think um enchanted lion did a, a real service 
bringing it to the U.S. for others to, to be able to read and enjoy. Beautiful book. Yay. Yay. Well, <laughs> well, on that note, um, <laughs> Karina, this is the last time we're going to talk in 2019. Yes. But I look forward to all that we will do in 2020 together through Kidlit these days. Thanks for a great year together. Yes, it's been really fun. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast and always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you also help other people find us. You can find me, Karina Yan Glazer, on Twitter at Karina Yan Glazer and on Instagram at Karina is reading and writing. And you can find me, Matthew Winner, on Twitter at Matthew Winner. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media using hashtag KidLitTheseDays or email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you would like to hear next on the show. May your coming days be storied and may those good stories keep on coming. 